myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello, and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, my guest is comedian Todd Birdwell. Todd also works in finance for a company. We talked this week about his comedy career so far, working with a company, and his fear of being alone. Do you consider being alone a fear? Well, that's up for debate. But right now, let's get together and listen to my interview with Todd Birdwell. All right, we're here with my friend, comedian and financial advisor, Todd Birdwell. Hey there. <laughs> Not a financial advisor. I just work in corporate finance. Okay. I want to make that clear that I do not manage an individual's money. <laughs> you don't in any way. You just manage manage a company's money. Well, yeah, I can barely manage my own. But uh, yeah, the company, the the dollars are much larger. So when you when you applied that job, did they look at your bank statement? Is that how they like? How good are you with money? I don't know if they look at your credit score. I've heard that they do. I mean, I don't think mine is, is poor enough to disqualify me from anything, but it certainly should be higher. Uh, that's only from, uh, you know, poor decisions. Does that change in your pocket? I don't know if we're going to work out. Like, I just feel like they hear the jingle of change in your <laughs> Oh, you're saying in an interview? Walking yeah, in, in your change. interview, when you're interviewing for the job, you have change in your pocket? Yeah. I see a lot of ones in your wallet, Todd. This is not... Yeah, quarters in your slacks. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is this is going to be the cheapest therapy session I've ever had, right? So, <laughs> glad to be here. I'm glad, glad I could be that for you. I could be, could, could be that rock. The rock? That... Uh, maybe not a rock. I'm... So, you're uh, also a recovering alcoholic, I believe, or you've... How long have you not yes. been... Uh, just over four years. Congratulations yeah. on that, then. Especially to do that with stand-up, yeah. having to deal with money. I feel like that's a, that's a, it takes some strength to be able to walk into that kind of temptation. Yeah, I um, I started stand-up a year after I quit drinking. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't in parallel. That probably would have been difficult. Yeah, And one of the ways I... I mean, I always wanted to do stand-up uh, prior to quitting drinking and even up to stand-up. And now, you know, I, I play music. I've played in various bands. But uh, in the past, I wanted to try stand-up. I just didn't have the time. And then once I quit drinking, I started going to AA, and I would just try to make them laugh and tell dick jokes, uh, sometimes ill-timed. But, uh, <laughs> you know, once once I started getting laughs in there, then that actually kind of, in a weird way, kind of brought it back up for me to want to do stand-up. And then I started going to mics, and here we are. Probably for the best, some of those jokes that you was out, you were anonymous. That they didn't know, they didn't know the name behind those dick jokes. Yeah, yeah the old people in the group didn't like it. The younger people loved it. It's you know, it is what it is. 
I feel like old people in age really take it seriously. Like they, they really come with their sad stories. Yeah, yeah. It depends on the group or the the meeting. Because uh, I had a DWI on me, and I had I started doing that as a you know to show the judge, hey, you know, look, I I understand I made a mistake. Look what I'm doing to kind of rectify it. And so I would do that as in a conjunction my yeah. community service. And it was it felt like some days it was just like oh. You lost that much? Well, let me tell you how much I lost because of alcohol. And it just, I get the whole thing. It was just like, okay, you, you know, how are you getting, how is this helping you get past if you just keep bringing it back up? I think they actually discouraged the the war stories. But yeah, I do know what you mean. Like, I feel like uh, some old people will just constantly... um, Tell you how much they lost. Like, I've lost my job, my (laughs) wife, you know... I've, yeah. I I don't see my kids, and I'm like, but I feel like that's not the yeah. I was like, but what yeah, are that's you a meeting that I wouldn't go back to. I mean, that's certain. There certainly are people like that, or you know, different. I don't know. Yeah, not to disparage uh, any. Yeah, I'd, or AA as a whole, but I mean, of course, there are weirdos and uh, odd experiences in there because it's a bunch of drunks mm-hmm. getting each other sober. <laughs> Yeah, and there's no organization really or any um, structure to it other than uh, kind of the rules within yeah. uh, the defined uh, kind of parameter like of the book, which is kind of crazy how it even works and functions as a whole. Yeah, but that's besides the point. I love some of your bits about the my favorite bit of yours about being a recovering alcoholic is when your friends invite you to tailgate. That was yeah. Cause that that's that's such an honest statement. Oh, you just want to just throw the fact that you're still drinking in my face. Cool. It's nothing. There's nothing good for me here. <laughs> oh, and I'm, it's, uh, I'm going to be the best at cornhole. That's great. <laughs> that's wonderful. Yeah, I'm certainly past the point now of feeling sorry for myself about not drinking. And uh, yeah, I mean, when you do quit, I guess it's kind of weird because all of your friends, you know, they still want to hang out with you and include you in things, but. Uh, you know, I don't expect anyone to change what they're doing. Yeah. But I think I think early on, or at least when you're struggling to quit, in my mind, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a narcissist. So I think that they're constantly thinking about my drinking or whatever it may be, or uh, or that me being around uh, them is going to make them think of their own drinking. When in reality, at least now, you know, four years later, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. It just uh, just is what it is. I mean, I could be around people uh, that are drunk, uh, drinking, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and my friends now don't uh, feel weird about it. Yeah. Certainly, at least like drinking buddies and stuff like that. Well, that's great. I guess it's good that you can still cultivate those relationships and still still have fun with them without feeling like either, you know, one of you or the other is, you know, at an imposition. Because it's they're really not like I get the point too of they don't want to if you are trying to fix that they don't want to bring you into that early yeah. on and early on you probably don't want to you know expose yeah. yourself to that so you can't really feel butthurt about it yeah like when you at least initially like if people don't invite you to things it's like yeah, I don't know in a weird way they're trying to help you I don't know I didn't really experience that I mean my friends were pretty supportive of the band I was in at the time, supportive. Uh, 
you know, I guess it is a struggle to, I mean, I'm not the same person as I was when I was completely shit faced. I was an animal. I mean, it definitely made social situations easier. That's why everyone drinks at it. Yeah. So, you know, certainly certain things are more awkward now or, or whatever they may be. I just kind of have to walk through the emotions, whatever, again, they may be. I think that's why I like doing the things that I enjoy doing, you know, such as stand up, because it allows me to kind of be present. Mm-hmm. Any type of, you know, I like mountain biking. I think the reason why is because you kind of have to be fully engaged. Otherwise, you will crash. You do mountain biking? Some. Okay. I've really been slacking ever since my neck surgery. It's probably for the best. Yeah. I just I just don't have enough focus on a bike to do that because I'll be riding a bike and like say I have to go in this little tight alleyway or between two cars. Like I'm that guy that has that nervous little handlebar bobble as you go through and you're just yeah. going to you're destined to clip something at that point. Yeah. If you think it's over. And that's all I do. And so that's why I can't, <laughs> I can't be on a yeah. mountain bike. I'm way more like self-conscious. Like, am I going too fast? This is going way too fast. Yeah. You have to go sometimes that fast. Otherwise, you don't clear some ravines or something that you, yeah. some obstacles you need to clear. You just can't bunny yeah. hop your way down a mountain. Yeah, I need to get back out there. I mean, hell, it's so hot right now, though, but yeah. I'm sure I will in the fall. Well, that's cool. That's another thing I didn't know about you. I, I guess I did that a lot more when I quit drinking, too. Maybe that was one of the things that, that helped me. I certainly wrote a lot more uh, at that point in time. I mean, it took me a while to quit drinking, too. It took a couple of years. So. Well, congratulations. Like I said, that's a, a, a huge accomplishment as somebody that still drinks a little bit but doesn't drink the way he used to. I completely get that feeling. And nah. it's got to make comedy a little different. But once you, like say, once you have those fail-safes in place of, you know, what your new habits are, fairly, it can get fairly simple. I guess the only part that's difficult is... Um you aren't around for the hang or you may not be around during some of the off hours when really, you know, some of the connections are, yeah. are made, or at least that's one of my fears. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's a little harder to hang with, but, uh, you know, I get along with everyone. So, and again, I'm, I'm used to being around it. So I'm not off put by it or feel like I can't be kind of got to know what it is walking in. I mean, you're walking into a, place that makes money off of selling drinks yeah so to, to feel any sort of resentment or yeah would only be a disservice i guess to myself i don't know i've always been a fan of i would love for like the comedy like comedy clubs and vision not just to do cocktails but also do mocktails like a non-alcoholic version of those cocktails to maybe help yeah. maybe not make them as expensive as wood drinks but just something that looks like a fancy drink that tastes good but doesn't have any alcohol in it yeah, and they can still show up for it. Yeah. Throw a couple strawberries in there. Yeah, it just to yeah. Ca- just to kind of make the ambiance so that the non-alcoholic person doesn't have to drink fucking O'Doul's or oh, yeah. or just water. Shirley Temple. <laughs> that, Give me a sarsaparilla. Yeah, I love Shirley Temples. I used to like yeah. Roy Rogers better, which is where they did it with Coke. Okay. But it's basically the same drink. Yeah, I'd, I'd take that down. So... We've been doing comedy here for three years, has it been? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it was two and a half up into the pandemic. Okay. So I guess I started, yeah, like July of 2017. Mm-hmm. How, was it, how has things changed for you over three years, like at, at, from what you started to where you are now? Yeah, well, I'm single now. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, 
Well, most I, comics are. Most comics, I hate <laughs> to tell you this, but most people that start comedy in a relationship, their relationship usually ends. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I don't know how much time you want to spend on that, but uh, yeah, it's definitely a balancing act that, especially while working yes. uh, full time. I mean, me and you both work. Fortunately, it's impossible to do all three a hundred percent, and yes. uh, depending on the other person's schedule, uh, even if they are uh, supportive and whatnot, uh, at the end of the day, you still need to kind of have time together and things. Uh, it's kind of an unfair ask yeah. of another person too. If you're going to be gone all the time, I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's tough. It's a yeah. tough thing to, to balance. Uh, it's one of those things where when you're in a relationship with somebody that doesn't do comedy, is that they'll come see you at open mic and they'll see you do the same set that you've been doing for like months now. And so they don't yeah. understand the whole thing of why you have to do the same bits every yeah. night for yeah. months. They don't, they don't see the difference that you, we do as comics and the audience members as you get more confident with your material. They just see it as you're doing the same material over and over and over, and they feel like you can skip a night. And so they don't, they don't understand the work behind the scenes of, of that same set. Oh, yeah. And that that's where, yeah. that's where the conflict begins is that they see that you're, they don't feel like, they feel progression as you doing different material. They don't see nah. the progression of stage presence and confidence and being able to deliver a joke that when you first started got nothing, but nah. now it's a staple. Yeah. And like my last girlfriend, I mean, she was very supportive, but considering I've been doing comedy two and a half, three years, obviously some of the early gigs that she went to, uh, you know, those early hell gigs <laughs> are, are not the best. So, uh, you know, she she saw me she saw me do well and she saw me do very very uh, badly or just in a in an environment like what in the hell is this yeah <laughs> you know but that's just part of comedy I, it it is what it is you yeah. know I feel like everyone does have to go through it you know I I, I highly respect or uh, I always uh, admire you know like everyone that I see that is able to have a functioning relationship or marriage. Yeah in comedy it's definitely a lot of give and take no it's it's a lot of support and the best people they find a balance where they're not doing comedy every night but they're also they're also they're devoting time to each other that's not if you are two comics dating you're not both you're doing it you're spending a day as boyfriend and girlfriend not as comic a comic b yeah and it's easy to talk about now because we're in a pandemic but in a pre-pandemic world yeah. I feel like that's where I struggle is turning it off. You know, even mm -hmm. when you're with the other person, I'm still in my own head. Uh, you know, I'm not present because I'm thinking about all of, uh, you know, whatever may be going on, uh, whether it be real or entirely created in my head. Like I have to get better or I have to do this X, Y, Z. Yeah. And that can become unhealthy because uh, like you said, it needs to be a give and take just hard for me to be present uh, at times in general. I feel like everybody has that struggle and that you don't even have to be a comic. If you're an artist, sometimes you'll see something and you'll want to, you'll want to pull off the easel, the paint to kind of capture that moment or take a picture. Yeah. Or if you're a millennial with these Instagrams, you, you have to all of a sudden pull your camera out and take the perfect Instagram selfie video with yeah. your with your freckle filter and rainbow birds coming around everywhere and 
yeah. ludicrous mix just playing in the background. Yesterday in Deep Ellum, I went to give a barbecue to a girl I'm, I'm seeing now. We actually bumped into Adam Carolla. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that we saw a lot of influencers walking by as we're eating. That was pretty great. I think that's all Deep Ellum is now, just people taking pictures. I have to place boarded up. <laughs> it's, a, it's a sad sight. Dystopian wasteland of nightlife that's no longer happening because of the pandemic. Yeah. This was during the day, so you could yep. see everything, which just makes it worse. You can see the Richie Rich and the Porky Pig uh, leaving Las yeah. Vegas murals. Hey, but I went to Pecan Live because uh, every other time there's a line. Now you can just walk up there and get some. Oh. I have not tried Pecan Lodge yet. That is yeah. that's on my list. I have done uh You tried the place that moved into the old Dallas comedy, the Terry Black. No. That's yeah. gonna be a while because of the way they kind of treated DCH. I'm yeah. kind of yeah. kind of sour on them. Refused to eat there. Yeah. It's just one of those things where it's like, oh maybe I will do it at some point. Um, my go-to barbecue place is Lockhart's and Bishop Arts. That's a legit some really Lockhart's. Where's that? It's in Bishop Arts. So if you get on 180, to you get on 35 to 180 and take a right. Okay, I can look that up. I know I've heard of it. Yeah, they got fantastic burnt ends. They're usually gone by 11 a. They were before the pandemic gone by like 11 a.m. Yeah, but they have some ridiculously good barbecue, and their pickles are amazing. Like they do homemade pickles nice. and they have like nuclear hot pickles yeah. too, which are so good. No, not really a pickle person, but I'm not either. But man, sometimes you just catch one. And it's like, damn, that's tasty. Yeah. So I'm doing a podcast about fears here and uh, I'm glad you wanted to do this. So you have a, a, a specific fear that I feel like everybody has at some point in their lives. What's your fear, Todd? I guess just a, a fear of um, being alone or feeling alone, mm-hmm. uh, either of the two, really. I have a lot of fears, but if we're going to pick one to talk about, we, okay. can, we could talk about that. I feel like everybody has that at some point in their life. Like I feel everybody has that, that feeling of, especially it, it, like holidays around Valentine's Day, I feel like that that fear really comes bubbling to the surface for people that are, are not in relationships. Like it, you feel... Like you're left out, I would say. Yeah. If you're not seeing somebody on Valentine's Day or you don't have a Valentine per se, because even in school, that made you feel that way. Yeah. Because I was always ostracized. So I will tell you my Valentine's Day in grade school. I don't know if they did this when you were a kid is you would have, you would hang like these plastic or paper bags, like lunch bags across with the chalkboard and you decorate them with your shitty art skills, basically. Yeah. So I, mine would look like a psychopath. And yeah. people, your classmates would drop Valentine's in the bag for everybody else. Yours was a little light? It wasn't light. I would just get the same Valentine. I would never I would never get one that says I like you or I care about you. Yeah. I would just get stay sweet. Which is which is basically the stay away from me. The friend zone yeah. of, of check child Valentine's. It, yeah. Yeah, I guess as as a kid, I don't know, I'm not good at identifying my own emotions, but I guess like as a, a kid, because uh, I think I still have the same fear, at least didn't like being alone, mm-hmm. but the way that I would uh, recognize it then, or at least would, would feel it 
more of like a fear of missing out, yeah. which is really just a, a, a fear of being alone. Yeah. Not connected. I don't have any negative memories. I don't really have any. Mem- I mean, I remember the holidays, but I have no lasting memories of, of Valentine's Day in my youth. So I guess okay. that's a good thing. <laughs> Lucky. What happens? I have all these traumas of different things that have happened in my lifetime because I I was afraid of being bullied. And that's a fear of basically being, you know, having people judge you. And yeah, and so I've that's why I've always outside of comedy, I've always tried to avoid like the spotlight. Like I've just been the cool guy in the background that people kind of know, but don't know really well, because I never wanted to let someone in to the point that they could like ruin me. Yeah. And so I've always had this distance from people. And so comedy has been a difference maker for me just because I'm able to express that and be myself and not be afraid of reprisal. And it's it's gotten to the point where I'm really more confident with myself because for a long time, there were times when I would try to do a bit and I would pull back because of my fear of judgment of what this room's going to think of me if I say something that's a little, little too, you know, little crossing the line. Yeah. And I just, ha- it's been a long process of trying to get over that because it's taken years. Yeah. I have no filter between what I say or think and then mm-hmm. say, which has gotten me into a lot of trouble in life. But I don't know. So what is your earliest memory of this, of, of this fear of being missed out or, or being, you know, alone? And Earliest memory, I guess, again, um, you know, as a kid, I guess, you know, not being invited to things. I don't have any specific memory, but I do remember like any time that I was alone. Uh, I didn't like it. I guess I was a, a single kid up to the point that I was up until I was seven. Mm-hmm. I know that you were a single child. Uh, yeah. I was a little alone a lot. And then uh, I guess any time, you know, I wasn't invited to anything, I think that I would, you know, think it was because maybe someone didn't like me or, or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But that was my youth. I wouldn't say that, you know, that defined my life. And then in terms of mm-hmm. when I really noticed it is uh, been in multiple long-term relationships. And uh, mm-hmm. oftentimes I don't get out of them. Uh, and I think part of the reason is just because of a fear of being alone or when I am alone, you know, the periods between relationships, uh, I don't like them. Or, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't as much as I enjoy, you know, kind of my own pursuits and and at times being alone at the end of the day i don't like feeling alone or feeling disconnected okay some of that may be in my own head Mm -hmm. and another part of it may just be general just codependency you know which may be related to my alcoholism yeah it could be it could very cheap therapy session but uh, i know they do talk about codependency in aa yeah and unhealthy codependency i think everyone's codependent to yeah. a to a degree absolutely uh, you know social people absolutely there is there is a social pressure when i in to to drink even we like see it stand up you're the business end of it is is they make money on lick on bar sales and stuff like that so there is there is a social pressure even in stand up you know when i was at, when i before i was doing this and i was you know in the dance club scene being an alcoholic there it felt yeah. like I felt there was a pressure that as soon as I got there, I needed to get a drink from the bar. You know, yeah. there always needed to be a drink in my hand. If I'm not dancing, I need to, 
I need to go cool down with an alcoholic beverage, grab a beer, a shot. Yeah. I mean, when I played music, I was always just obliterated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also had a lot of uppers to that would allow me to drink and play through that. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely unsustainable and, mm-hmm. you know, got to a point where I just didn't have the an off switch. You know? Yeah, definitely know that feeling. Um, so, <laughs> so are you, you're, they said you have, you have a younger brother or sister? Younger brother. Okay. Yeah. So he came along after seven years. Yeah. Like seven and a half. Yeah. So I just want to ask, could this all greater being alone feeling come from having attention? Because as an only child, you get all the parental attention when they want to, but now there's a, there's a, there's a new, co- there's a new star and you're now the co-star. Because they they trust you enough to to leave you be, so all of a sudden now more of the attention's being put on Birdwell two than on yeah. Birdwell one. I don't know, Freud. I mean, maybe I'm just I'm uh, just drawing parallels here. I'm just drawing parallels. <laughs> I know when I was a kid, I remember uh, being upset about it initially. I don't remember why, but I, I think for the reasons that you say. But uh, you know, obvious and. You know, seven, eight years is a pretty significant gap. So then yeah. growing up, you know, there was maybe a few year period where that, that could have been the case. But now I was kind of too young to remember. But, yeah. you know, by your teens, you kind of want to be on your own. And I guess the only challenge there was it's such an age gap that you can't really like hang out, uh, at least at that age. Uh, you know, we're close now. But, you know, I'm 15 years old. It's tough to hang out with your you know, seven-year-old brother or whatever it may be. Well, you didn't want to kick it and watch Sesame Street? I was probably also not a good brother growing up. Uh, I don't know. I was into myself uh, like I am now, uh, just playing music all of the time. But I feel like everybody does that. Everybody has to have your own want escape. So you're afraid of being alone. You're are, you're you're just recently been out of a relationship and you're already starting a new relationship. Yeah, there was like a four-month gap mm-hmm. three of those months being in, in full lockdown so i think that that you can you know multiply those by three i think oh. i had adequate you had <laughs> enough had time to reflect time <laughs> yeah i had enough march was a long month and uh <laughs> you know i am already in, in a relationship some may say that's unhealthy i don't know my ex is getting married early next month so she, she's moving quicker uh, than me. Maybe she has a similar fear of being alone. Who knows? But, you know, I um, certainly, if you talk about, if we're talking about this fear, actually feeling it or going through feelings of being alone, that was the last time mm-hmm. uh, that it happened. So in terms of the most recent experience I can, can speak of, yeah, I mean, the second I uh, got out of the relationship, then I all, all you have to do is think about yourself. I begin to think of all my problems and uh, everything that I need to fix, which may be a good thing, maybe things that I was putting off. Mm-hmm. But it, it forces you to, uh, I think one of the difficult things about being alone is, uh, I, don't, I don't know, it, It's uh, there's a lot of fear in, in being uh, completely self-reliant. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, that's why we have religion. That's why mm-hmm. uh, fully... Uh, you know, I guess when I'm alone, uh, I feel very vulnerable. When I'm with another person, you know, maybe I, I find comfort in that, uh, both healthy and unhealthy code levels of codependence. Yeah. Or whatever it may be. Uh, I've certainly been in toxic relationships that have 
been in too long or, mm-hmm. or didn't want to uh, make a decision simply out of the fact of uh, not wanting to go through the discomfort or, of being alone or that it's easier to go through an unsatisfying relationship than being alone. But, you know, now that I'm 33, I mean, you go through that when you're younger, you realize that uh, you can be alone within a relationship. I think that's when when things go sideways, you know, if either partner feels alone within a relationship, that's when uh, bad things happen, start seeing other people, start to, you know, relationships in. Yeah. It's a, I would feel like that's a selfish thing to do is to stay in something that you know is wrong just because you're you're afraid of moving on to the alternative it's almost like a selfish thing of i want to i want to play with this toy even though it's broken and it doesn't work anymore i don't want to let it go because i don't want this toy to have you know i don't want someone else to have fun with this toy or throw it away well i have a little more self-awareness now so i'm aware that that's what i was doing at Mm -hmm. the time but at that point in time it's not like i'm making a decision you know it's not that black and white at least for me you know i have a hard time identifying what the hell I'm even feeling or paying attention to what I'm feeling, actually listening to what I'm feeling. Yeah. Going through denial of, uh, of emotions. Even. Yeah. So would that be part of also the fear of being alone is just to not feel those kinds of feelings? Yeah, I think so. Uh, certainly in any relationship when I get, you know, big argument uh, or if I feel the relationship's threatened, I either entirely shut down, blow up, retaliate. You know, it's just not a healthy, you know, it triggers some unhealthy response to where I'm unable to think and react like a uh, 33-year-old man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have, I have a lot of experience at this point. Again, uh, part of the fear of loneliness is probably due to the fact that I haven't been alone much. Mm-hmm. You know, been in several long-term relationships. And when I was younger, you know, in high school and through college, I had the same girlfriend, which is looking back unhealthy. You know, most kids, they don't want that. They want, they want a, they want a period of being alone. But for whatever reason, I did not. Looking back, was that healthy? I, I don't know. I'll, I'll be on the opposite of the spectrum because as I told you before we started, I guess, you know, I'm not the one that people picked. And so I went through life thinking, okay. This is going to be my life that I'm going to be on. I'm on the alone side of your coin where you're always in a relationship. I was always single. No. And I would be, I would feel like I would have been more afraid if a girl had said yes than they wanted to date me because then I didn't know what to do. And I feel like that's how you feel about being alone is because they all said yes to having a relationship with you and they stuck by you. You're more afraid of what could the possibility is of being by yourself versus yeah. the devil you know, which is the long-term relationship, which is how I felt about getting a real... Yeah, I think especially when I was younger, and probably because I was pretty reckless, you know, having girlfriends at that point in time was really kind of my only anchor for mm-hmm. uh, everything that kept me somewhat grounded or that I didn't uh, you know, flunk out of college and forced to uh, kind of face my drinking earlier. I, I don't know. I, I feel like you know, maybe maybe that's again why because uh, I was afraid of being alone. Because really, I'm afraid of what I'm going to do by mm-hmm. myself. You don't have that controlled. Yeah, like I need some some kind of guidance. Not in a not in a Freudian motherly way, but I don't know. It, it gives some accountability. It's like Jiminy Cricket from Pinocchio. Like he was the conscience. Like he would tell Pinocchio, "This is not a good idea." Yeah, it would be a separate entity telling you, "Hey, maybe this isn't a good idea." 
and you would listen to her because he's oh this is my girlfriend we gotta go it yeah. was it was kind of like your almost your conscience per se yeah so what do you think is like the word like how did you handle like that that march with by yourself how did you feel uh, going through that i guess period of basically you had no choice in the matter about being alone you were stuck at home couldn't really socialize yeah. i mean it was a weird month because uh, i think it was for all of us i mean that mm-hmm. was like early on in the yeah maybe a, a late march and then the month of april was actually a long month because yeah it's lockdown started what mid-march uh so that definitely added, or I, I feel like that kind of compounded mm-hmm. the feeling of, of loneliness. But I, I mean, I feel like also being alone that long, you are kind of just able to just go through it. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. And a lot of people have been alone in, in quarantine. And yeah, but I mean, certainly at first, I, I did not enjoy the feeling where mm-hmm. I felt vulnerable or uh, you know, no, no peace of mind, you know, just more anxiety more more depressed whatever it may be mm-hmm. but i feel like anything uh, you know part of that was from being alone part of that was just from a relationship ending so you go through you know those yeah. phases yeah. of acceptance but in terms of actually being alone you know i in a weird way i do like it but i don't want i don't want to become committed to to being alone or uh, mm-hmm. you know all of all of my passions and the things that i like doing i do them alone yeah but you still crave that relationship. You you still want that that at any point. So the way we described it before the show was selfish, that you have this selfish endeavor that you want your alone time, but you don't want it to be a permanent alone time that you want. You want to yeah. just, you want an hourly rate on being alone and then check out and you're back into your relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And in my mind, that makes perfect sense. Uh, it does. <laughs> it is a real ask, but it's hard in practice. Yeah, it's hard in practice, but at the same time, I think relationships, you know, are best when you do have your own alone things. Like yeah. when people, I'll since we're comics, I'll say when comics day other comics, I would say that's got to be hard because you're sharing so much. There's not that much difference. If it, yeah. if you're a comic and she's a painter, yeah, and then you go paint, that's a that's a difference in things that you can your life experience and stuff that they can, you can both go do something alone, miss each other then come back around and have something to share rather than both going to the open mic together, both watching shows together, both watching, you know, the other do stand up. And then when it ends, you got to see them there. I got, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's crossed my mind that that would be great, but then, yeah, you start to think about it and all of the the things that you just said are the reasons, uh, you know, quickly come into my mind. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a thought that all of us have Mm -hmm. uh, just because, Again, it's challenging. It's too much together. It's challenging to maintain a relationship being a comedian. So yeah. the default or the easy answer to that is, oh, well, I date another comedian. And then yeah. I have not uh, yet. And I don't have a desire to. But I, I do see the challenge You know, once that starts. And like you have to have something outside of that that you two share for that, I feel, to work. I applaud the, all the ones that do make it work because I feel like they do have that. Like they do have either a day where they're just, they're doing their own thing, not anything comedy related unless something's paid for. They're spending yeah. that day together as a couple versus two comics, yeah. you know, that happen to be yeah. dating at an open mic. Yeah. I mean, ideally I'd like to do all of my things and then come home to a concubine 
and watch Netflix. And uh, although Netflix sucks now, uh, I'm pretty much solely an HBO Max guy. You know, I, I'm exaggerating, but in terms of you know what I want, but uh, at times, you know, it, it's tough to have to both want to to be alone and to have your your own time and space, and then be in a relationship. No, I'm not married. I can't imagine how difficult it is. And maybe that's one of my fears is I I imagine it being very... Two together for you. you know, being married and with kids, you know, really compounding. I, I don't know. I, I fear I fear that responsibility. And, and uh, I think really maybe that's where, you know, part, some of the feelings of loneliness now is that... Uh, don't leave me, but don't get too... Don't fall too deep in love with me. Yeah, you, it, it's... <laughs> It's a very... Uh, and you just desire to fulfill my physical needs. <laughs> yeah. Don't you develop an attachment to me that you want to take deeper? We don't want you to go on a deeper level with this. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, uh, and I am a selfish person. And, I, you know, I, I'm at yeah. the age where I, I do, you know, want kids and things. But I think, I don't, I don't know. I think that could, you know, if we're talking about feeling lonely, maybe that's um, part of the, the fear of it is... Um, you know, at our age, you know, you're a little older than me, accepting, you know, that maybe I, I will be alone or not uh, have a family or something. Granted, I'm, I'm young enough to where I still can, but in the back of my mind, you know, I have these conflicting uh, emotions or wants. Yeah. And I've been on both and you just have to accept either or. You can't be mad at either situation. No. You know, life's going to deal, you know, you just got to enjoy life, the life you're dealt. Yeah. And sometimes life, your life may lead to marriage and kids. You may find someone, this, this person you're seeing now may f- develop into somebody that you feel like you could have that kind of relationship with. And maybe, but maybe there's also a fear of this is basically our relationship. This is the alpha and omega is we're going to be at this level and it's not going to get any more intimate or any, we're not going any other direction. We're just going straight down this road. I don't know, but now you see a lot of, uh, I mean, most marriages end. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's a difficult thing knowing when to end a relationship, knowing when to get in one. I often, yeah. I date someone, I like them, I enter a, at a minimum, two to three year relationship with them. My last relationship was a two and a half year bumble date. I mean, I remember our first date, we were with each other like an entire week after. So I, <laughs> definitely when I meet someone, Things things are uh, do move quickly, or uh, they move to a certain level quickly. Yeah, they get to a phase where it's boyfriend and girlfriend, and then from there, yeah, then, then challenge you pl- kind of plateau. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure I'll figure that out. And I am mm-hmm. brief, but uh, maybe if I don't have kids, I'll just adopt like a little Asian child because I know they're they're great at taking care of their elders. But, uh, it's 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 uh, part of the tradition. That's, that's how selfish you are. You've already predetermined who you're going to adopt so that they will take care of yeah. you. That is the most self. And I, Not to give them a better life. I just want to make sure I'm taking care of I mean, of. I, I feel like that's why some people have kids is because they don't want to be alone later. You yep. have your kids there. And maybe I, I fear that, uh, you know, being alone later in life. You know, right now, it, mm-hmm. you know, I like it. Right now, they're pros, but... Uh, you know, I, I fear more being alone later in life. You know, I see my dad single. You know, I see a lot of older people that are single. Uh, you don't want to be a tomcat and son of a bitch uh, in your 80s? Yeah, trolling Bumble <laughs> <laughs> on dating apps. 
in my 80s. When you said it, your dad, how old's your dad? 80? No, he's 70. He's 70. But he, he's on Bumble. Um, no. Okay. I, I have that joke, but... Uh, okay, I didn't know he if does, that was... He, he talks to people on Facebook, or I don't think he quite knows how to use Facebook, so like if a bot messages him, or someone that's clearly trying to scam him, <laughs> he will entertain uh, those texts and, and kind of go back and forth with them and think that they're, they want to be with them. And reality, it's like a scammer. It's a good guy. He also group ranks uh, photos of women. Uh, <laughs> you know, two, one, three, four, uh, things like that. So, uh, yeah, he's an older guy. I guess my mom was a little younger than him. I, I just think he doesn't he doesn't want any anything to do with a 70-year-old woman. I know that much. Mm-hmm. So it, it's hard, hard spot to be in. He said he went on one date with an old friend and she walked in with a walker. <laughs> he was ready to make moves. He had her pay the bill. Wow. <laughs> so so was that diff- that's why you don't want to be alone is because you just see what your dad's going through now and you're like, that's not going to be me. Yeah, I mean, life's tough. I mean, I just, when I'm older, yeah. oh, I want to be with someone. And that's one thing that I've realized, too, is that, like, you get older. I don't know, when I was a kid, you know, I thought that, like, it's not necessarily supposed to get easier because it certainly gets harder. There's more shit to deal with. But yeah. uh, you kind of have to learn how to deal with things on the fly, which is, uh, you know, part of growing up, I guess. It's a long road. It's a long road. Yeah. What advice would you give to anybody that's that's going through this because like your comedy you're gonna do this as a con if you want to be a comic you know you're gonna have to be alone that there's gonna be rogue gigs that you definitely don't want to bring a loved one to, to witness <laughs> or to see yeah learn that lesson yeah uh, you don't want them to you don't there are certain bars and one-nighters yeah. that you just it's not worth having anybody yeah see i guess a- advice i don't really have advice and i know we weren't going to talk about comedy too much but Correct. You know, before I got into comedy, I knew that it was going to be a challenge. You hear all comedians say it's lonely and you don't realize why until you start uh, or you don't really realize all of the opportunity costs associated with the pursuit of comedy or really anything until you act, until it actually comes time to, to pay those costs. And, uh, you know, it's really yeah. easy to talk about, uh, but, you know, actually going through it uh, is another thing, you know, before. I guess if I were to have advice, just to weigh those costs. Uh, I, I certainly don't regret doing comedy. Uh, I regret, you know, maybe ways that I have uh, treated comedy or, um, you know, allowed it to interfere with my life. But I think that's more of my own making. That's more of, you know, similar to my own alcoholism. If I treat it like an addiction, where it's more of a pursuit of a craft and allow it to, uh, you know, overtake my, my life or, my emotions, then, then at that point, uh, you know, it's not healthy. In terms of advice, yeah, I don't have any other than, um, you know, you just kind of have to go through the feeling. You know? Instead of okay. running away from it, it's just you have to go through it. The only way that I'm able to ever let go of anything or process anything is to actually feel it. And I never want to. Once I do, I'm able to, you know, make progress. Okay. Well, that's really good. That's a really sound advice is to just, you have to kind of accept and be in, be present to kind of make a good judgment. Realize uh, unless you're in a war zone, you know, or being chased by uh, a predator or something, most of the times, you know, you are okay. You know, I'm, I'm saying yeah. you, but, you know, 
a time and a moment of you know, high anxiety or whatever it may be. At the end of the day, if you stop and think, generally safe or things will be okay unless you react negatively to them. It's really about how you yeah. kind of react. Good. That's a good, good sound advice. I thank you for doing this. So where can people find you on social media? On social media, I have uh, Instagram and Twitter at this is Birdwell. Uh, I need to make a, a website. I plan to do that uh, during quarantine. Have, has not happened yet, but look at, look at busy getting your relationship going. Yeah, looking forward to, uh, you know, clubs reopening and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll put out more then. And you said this is Birdwell? Yeah, at this is Birdwell. Okay. Because yeah. a lot of people use their name, but I was like, that's a good play on your name, actually. To Well, I tried the at Todd Birdwell, but I think I signed up for that years ago in a blackout that I can't find the password. And then I found a slight variation, but it's some other guy who clearly is not using it. That's that's hilarious that you've you've drunk blocked yourself yeah. from because I, I was ahead of the game. I was like, no, I'm going to put my name because I have my my Gmail. My email is just at Todd Todd Birdwell at Gmail dot com. Fair enough. Well, hopefully, if you can find your password, if not, like I said, we'll go with this is Birdwell. Yeah. And I think that's like I said, that's a really good. You could do a website from that, like this is Birdwell dot com, yeah. and I feel like that would be really well because just to run with the, this is Birdwell, yeah. and it, it just becomes your comedy persona yeah. as far as in intrude yourself as well. Yeah, oh sure. Well, thank you again, Todd. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I uh, look forward to talking to you again. Sure. So that was Todd Birdwell. I find it interesting how with some of our fears, we would rather just feel comfortable again, not even address them rather than try to work through them or try and understand them. It's also interesting to maybe keep status quo in a bad situation rather than move on from it for the sake of not being alone. I don't really understand it. Mainly because I've been alone most of my life. Like as growing up as an only child and then again as an adult, I guess maybe I'm just comfortable with being alone, that it's more my comfort zone, whereas he, growing up maybe with a younger brother, didn't have a lot of that alone time, and so it's uncomfortable for him. Other people may feel differently. Join the Facebook group at Some of All Fears, and let's discuss it. As for me, this week was nice, with a couple of days off to start the work week, and then comedy over the weekend. Had a great time. If you like what you hear, tell a friend or leave a review. All right, some credits and thank yous for people that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater, who does all my graphic design work. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhite, W-H-I-T-E-H-2-O, the letter. On Instagram, that's Barry Whitewater, get it, H-2-O. He's an amazing comic and graphic artist, so check him out. Also, music. A big thanks to Gunnar Olson, who provides the music for this podcast. You can check out his website, GunnarOlson.net. Check out all his music. He's got some great EPs. Also, you can follow him on Instagram at GunBuns. I love his coast-to-coast jam sessions with other musicians. It's really cool to listen. If you want to follow me on social media, my social media is at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I implore you to follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at some fear fans s o m e f e a r f a n s you can also check out our website someofallfears.com leave us a review if you would like on iTunes if you want suggestions for the show you can leave them on the reviews or you can email me directly or if you want to be a guest shoot me an email 
at somefearfans at gmail.com. That's going to do it for this week. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Until then, thanks for listening, and have a great week. 